Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Aloha. This episode, we were thinking what could really serve families at this time? Um, there's a lot of things going on worldwide. Um, in the United States where we live, there's we're changing um, the president right now, and it's not going as smoothly as it has uh, in the past. And we just had some ideas of things we could share in this time that continues to be a time of uncertainty and unknown. Yeah, we felt really called and inspired to name this episode Go Forward with Faith. And it may feel right now that because of the uncertainty that you know, a lot of families might be like, feel like they're totally unsure of what to do right now. And if, can they do anything? And there is something you can do that I actually believe has a greater chance of impacting what's going on in the world. Than anything that is, you can go home and strengthen your family. Like there's one thing that we can always do when we're unsure of what to do and go fortify our families. And the reason I believe so strongly in that right now is the future president of the United States of America is in someone's home right now being raised future members of the House and the Senate, future leaders of major organizations and like nonprofits and, you know, future leaders of other countries. Like those, they're all sitting, they're all children sitting in homes right now. So if we really want to change the world, if we really want to make a difference, the most powerful thing we can do is like to go home and like fortify our families and strengthen our families right now. And it's totally possible that with what's going on to still have faith and have a spirit of possibility in your home. And it's still totally possible to feel prepared and to, to be excited about what you're creating. And I promise you that as a parent, you have in you the intuition to know exactly what to do for your family. And I feel that in the coming days and months and years, we as families, especially parents are going to feel more and more pressure from outside influences, trying to convince us that we don't know what's best for our children's healthcare, what's best for their education, what's best for their mental health, right? And there's so many issues like, you know, but I feel like if we can drown out the world with the noise and drown out other people's opinions and really exercise our own intuition, we know what to do for our families and we can have faith and we can have hope. And we're going to share with you on this episode how to do that. Yeah. And I wanted to share something that I had read that kind of inspired me a little bit with this episode, something I had read on Instagram this week. And it's, um, it's speaking specifically to moms, but it says moms as as the nation, or I would add the world, seems to be crumbling, don't leave your post. Make your home a sanctuary for your children. And I think, like Chris was saying, it's so easy to get caught up in what is going on around us to forget the real opportunity and calling that we have in our very homes. Yeah, and I've left my post at times. (laughs) Because of what's going on in the world, I will get so sucked in to the energy of like social media and the news and And when I consume that much information, yeah, like it leaves me with feelings of fear and uncertainty and doubt and comparison. And, and I'm just like all consumed by it. But if I can remember to turn off the news, drown out other people's opinions and not leave my post. And I just love that. Like, yeah, like, are we, are we, are we manning our posts? And that doesn't mean we can't have like 
hard days. Like it doesn't mean we can't have difficult times or doubts, but. And I think we're still, and I don't think that means that you're not educated and well-informed and know what's going on in the world and the community around you. I think it's an and. Yeah, for sure. So this first, you know, this idea that we wanted to talk about was, you know, how can we foster in our homes this, you know, like feeling of faith and building resilience and, you know, mental health and mindset. And I want to share with you first some thoughts by a religious leader that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. He since passed away. His name was Gordon B. Hinckley. And he was really known for his optimism. And he had this belief that we that if we stop seeking out the storms and enjoy more, enjoy more fully the sunlight, that life would just be better for us. And here's a man who he lived through the Great Depression, two world wars, Vietnam, political upheaval, the September 11th attacks, and, and much more. And yet always seemed to be able to keep his faith and his optimism intact. And he said, I have seen a good deal of this earth. I have been in areas where war rages and hate smolders in the hearts of people. I've seen the appalling poverty that hovers over many lands. I have watched with alarm the, crum- the crumbling morals of our society, and yet I am optimistic. I have a simple and solemn faith that right will prevail and that truth will prevail. And then this is probably one of my favorite uh, quotes of his. He said, it isn't as bad as you sometimes think it is. It all works out. Don't worry. I say that to myself every morning. If you do your best, it will all work out. Put your trust in God and move forward with faith and confidence in the future. The Lord will not forsake us. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, it's not to say that what what a lot of us are going through right now is, isn't hard because I know it is, but just keeping, keeping that mindset, like that it will all work out. Yeah. And I love the description that we actually have um, in our podcast that, you know, I felt like when we wrote the description for our podcast, we felt really inspired as to what to write. And and it's, it's a lot of pressure, actually. <laughs> we didn't know it at the time because, you know, we have some amazing people helping us with the podcast. And they're like, oh, you know, you got to have a really good description because that's going to be the first thing that people read. And, you know, we wrote it some time ago, but now in preparation for this episode, we went back and read it. And we're like, yeah, like this is really why we want to have this, this podcast. Yeah. And so much of that little, um, the bio was like, yes, this is what I want this episode to be about. So I'm just want to read part of that. It says, it is absolutely possible to raise a family today without fear of the future. Define who you are as a family and what you stand for. Stop looking at the future with fear and uncertainty and start looking forward with a possibility of more. More love, more joy, more connection, more resolve. The world needs strong families now more than ever. Okay, so how do we do this, right? Like yeah. this idea of how, how in, in the eye of the storm and facing all this uncertainty, how do we remain resilient? And, ha- and how do we have this positive outlook of optimism and faith and possibility and not leave our post? And so we're going to share three things with you that we believe can make a profound difference and have made a profound difference for our family. And the first one we want to talk about is a, a shared common language. And if you, if you listen to our episode on, you know, the power of words and how words, I think it was our second episode, mm-hmm. that is so profound because language creates. And in our homes, we're, it's, it's pretty black and white. We're either sharing a language of possibility and hope and faith and creation and optimism, or we're sharing a common language oftentimes of negativity and fear and doubt and uncertainty. And that language said enough starts to shape your identity and how you see yourself. And so one of the, one of the things that's really served us as a family is having our family mission, vision, values. And not just having them, but like having them up on our, what we call our culture wall, so they're up in our home and then reciting them every morning. And that language reinforces like how we see ourselves 
as Smiths and as a Smith family. And I think of our first value, like Smiths do hard things. And sometimes I wonder, do we do hard things because we say we do, or do we say it because we do hard things? And <laughs> maybe it's, both. Yeah, maybe it's both. But it's like, what is what are the what are the the words and the language that we're using individually, but collectively as a family? And I know for us, like saying every morning, Smiths do hard things. It's this reminder to me of, yeah, we do. Saying every morning that Smiths are creators, that we can create. You know, saying which is gonna we're gonna talk about number two, but you know, saying every morning that like we are committed to elevate and inspire. Those things are reminders to me of like, don't leave your post. This is who you really are. This is who you really can become. Yeah. And it reminds me of what I'm thinking of right now is, so we just moved from Arizona and in Arizona, the um, AIA, which is the Interscholastic Association for all the high school sports just canceled sports for the rest of the year. And we have some friends who have kids that, you know, worked their whole high school career to play, you know, this is with, this was going to be their last season of basketball or their last season of volleyball or whatever it was um, that was just canceled. And I remember being in high school and that's can be your life. Like kind of what you've lived for, for, you know, your whole high school career. It's like a big, a big deal just to have it like taken away. And so I think having that type of language in your family that you're using, knowing that, you know, we can, we can do hard things or however you would want to phrase it in your family can really give yourselves and your kids tools to be able to cope with challenges and changes that are coming to them. And I would say that our children, they're watching us as parents now more than ever. I feel like when, when there's events happening in the world that create uncertainty, our children actually are paying, start paying attention to us more because they're like, how are mom and dad responding to this? Are they reacting? Or are they responding? Yeah. Cause these are uncharted waters. It's like how I don't, as a child, I imagine it would be like, I don't know how to take this information. I don't know what to do with this information. So yeah, I'm going to look to the people closest to me and see how they're doing it. And that's going to demonstrate to me, oh, this is how you deal with challenge or uncertainty or hard things. Yeah, I never really thought about it, but I I actually believe that our children probably pay less attention to our words and our actions and just how we're showing up. They probably pay less attention where things are going well because they don't feel maybe as much of a need to. But when they're, and then look, our kids are so smart. They pay attention. They know what's going on in the world. And so I really believe that our children are look to us more in times of uncertainty, again, for how we're reacting and how we're responding. And something like that, like a high school sport getting canceled, it would be super easy for me as a parent to, to complain and be mad and to be bitter. And I'm not saying that there's not time and a place to have a little bit of that venting, you know, and get it out. But our children are like being informed by how they show up to that. And I also want to be sensitive to like, I think it's powerful to give our children space to like, you know, to to vent and complain and share their feelings about how it's upsetting. And then it's like, okay, now what are we going to go do about it? But I I just really believe our children are looking at us more than ever and seeing like, how are we responding and like, what kind of language are we using? And kids, in my experience, are so resilient, like naturally, like they just maybe need a little bit of demonstration and they are going to be so resilient. Yeah. And what I think is so interesting is I actually, oftentimes when something goes wrong that affects my kids, I make it more about me than my kids. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one that like gets all worked up. Like I can't believe like this is happening when my kids are usually like, yeah, we don't like it, but like, let's go do something else. <laughs> like, yeah, they're super resilient. And I think, I think children are naturally resilient. That's natural resiliency. And I think that we can just foster and strengthen that based on the language that we use, especially again, 
when things are unpredictable or uncertain. Yeah. So that's the first one is the first thing we wanted to share is having this, this common language that builds strength and unity and resilience among your family. And I can promise you that if you proactively talk about it ahead of time, you're much more likely to respond in a powerful way, meaning to sit down as a family and say, okay, when we face difficult things or when we face, yeah. Because we will. Yeah, because we will. And we are right now. What are we going to choose to say about it? Like, how are we going to choose to show up? It's so much easier to, to show up in a way that would have you be powerful if you've already talked about it ahead of time and just created some like common phrases. Like this fun one that we have is <laughs> I'll yell to the family, who are we? And all the kids say, we're Smiths. And I'll say, what, what do we do? We create, you know, that's just like a little saying that we can just have as a go-to at any time. And sometimes I like to annoy him with it when, when I know that they don't want to say it, you know, they're complaining. <laughs> and everyone's complaining. Who are we? Oh, we're Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that shared common language and whatever that language is for you, you can adopt some of ours, you can create your own. And I think with that, um, a lot of times Chris and I will just with the language, Chris and I will maybe have a conversation before we bring it to the family about, you know, what, say it, uh, Smiths do hard things. Maybe Chris and I will talk about that a little bit beforehand, but then we'll bring it to the family and say, Hey, what do you think? We had this idea. Do you think, do you guys like this phrase or Smiths are creators or do you have any others that you would want to add? So just make it a really um, interactive experience that involves the whole family. Yeah. Our 13 year old Tate, he actually came up with our family's phrase for the year and it was like spot on. The minute he said it, me and Melissa looked at each other and we're like, yeah, that's what our family could use. And it was peace and harmony. But I can, but what's so interesting to me about this is like the world can be falling apart all around us and yet our home still becoming more strengthened and more fortified, which is kind of counterintuitive. But yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely. It's possible. So number two, okay. So we have this shared common language. And then number two is the power of creation. And I think that now more than ever, it is so important as families that we still have visions of what we're going to create. We're still looking forward to the future with optimism, faith, and hope. And one thing that's really served us is having what we call a creation list. Yeah. And the creation list is a literal list that, you know, it could be a whiteboard. It could be paper on the wall, poster board, whatever it is, that is a list of things that you want to create and things you want to do. And they can be big things. They can be small things. Uh, for example, um, in the past, we've had plant new flowers in the flower beds because the old ones had died or fix everyone's bikes so that we could do family bike rides. Bigger ones would be certain like vacation destinations that we might want to take. Like lately someone's been, multiple people have told us about this same vacation place. And so we're like, Oh, we kind of, that would be cool to go there. So that as we'll go on the list where we need to start a new list now that we moved to Hawaii, that's going to go on our new list. But um, can you think of any other things we've had on there? Yeah. Like, well, you know, if you listen to our dear home episode and what that home meant to us and, and finding that home and buying that home and remodeling the home, like all of that was a creation and it was all on our creation list. Every single thing on there, we had line item, like shutters on the windows was the item and garden beds, garden beds, playground for the kids, a spacious backyard to run in. I wanted a barn door over one area, just like little things like that, that we were always looking forward to and continually creating our dreams with. And look, the, the creation list doesn't have to be practical or make sense. You can have some very practical things on there, but there, oftentimes we have things on our creation list that we're not in a position at that time to actually create it. 
there's going to be work to be done to go create the money and save the money and make sacrifices. But I think sometimes it, a family might not put it on the creation list because it seems out of reach, but it's like, no, you don't have to justify it. It doesn't have to make sense. But I, and I want to emphasize that it's a family creation list. All of us individually can have our vision boards and our own creation list, but this is something that like, what do we want to create as a family? Because I think if you always have something you're looking to create and you're actively creating and you're dreaming, it's hard to fall into a trap of like complaining and negativity and fear when there's always so much to look forward to. And I've been so inspired by a couple of entrepreneurs that I know that, that I just spoke with this week that are clients and friends because it would be so easy right now to stop creating. It would be so easy right now with all the uncertainty to stop dreaming and having any kind of vision. And we've talked to some families that are like, I just, there's not like it was 2020. We hadn't even ended. And they were always like, oh, they were, they were already saying like at 2021, like it's going to be terrible. Put everything on hold, all dreams, all plans, life basically. Yeah. We just got to wait and see what happens in the world. It's like, no, we don't have to wait. Like we can continue to create. And obviously we got to deal with the realities of what's going on in the world around us, you know, but like. A lot of people are like, how did you guys move to Hawaii in the middle of a pandemic and like sell everything? And it's like, well, it was on our creation list. We just created it. And so I was talking with these entrepreneurs recently and one was like, yeah, like my wife and I just found this 400 acre property in Virginia and we're going to buy it and put a healing center on there and do healing retreats. And we have this vision for it. And I was like, wow, in the middle of all this, like he's thinking bigger than he's ever thought. And another entrepreneur who is a friend of ours and we were able to attend their wedding in Guatemala last year, which was so fun. And they just moved to Puerto Rico and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to, we have this 80 acres that we want to buy and build a school on it and a hydroponics like plant and like these homes and like benefit the community. And it's like, I was inspired. I was like, gosh, I want to, I want to continue to dream and create and even think bigger. But I think it's easy to think big or it's easy to create or have a creation list when things are going well, mm-hmm. just kind of like language. It's easier for me to say Smiths do hard things when I don't have to do that hard of a thing. Yeah. When you just have to say it and that's all. Yeah. But like our mission, vision, values were actually, in my opinion, they were built for times of uncertainty. Your creation list and like dreaming and creating and having a vision for what you want as a family is more important in times of uncertainty. And so, yeah, that would be our second thing is to have this creation list, but also remind yourself like you are a creator. Not only is it our our opportunity and our privilege, but it's also our responsibility, right? This idea of like, no one's coming to save us. Like our life is in our hands and like, we can like pick up the pen and like create. Yeah. One thing I want to add to that is that in those, that example that you shared of those two people you had been talking with this week, that they are looking, they're not only consuming, like they are creating like benefit for other people and looking at how they can change the world. And I think that, you know, that's large scale, which to be honest, like, I don't feel like we're at a spot where we're like ready to like open this multi-acre facility for other people. But then, but I love how it gets me thinking a little bit bigger. And, you know, I think on a small scale, it gets me thinking, you know, in the moments when I just want to be at home, maybe I'm on social media longer than I should be, or I dive down this hole of, you know, negative news or whatever it is when I am consuming too much, I guess, I, it doesn't feel good to me. So I think that's important for me to remember. I think for us to remember is that having a good balance and remembering to create more than you consume. I love that. And I think that was the Larson family 
that we Jake and Danielle, who we mm-hmm. were able to take through family brand. I think that was one of their core values is Larson's create more than they consume. And I love that. And I think it inspired Melissa and I to kind of hold each other accountable. Yeah. Cause it's easy. It's easy to consume. Like it's almost effortless just to, to consume, but it takes real intention and effort and vision to turn it around and start creating. And I think it's kind of funny. I just thought like consumption is consuming, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the news. And so it can be so consuming, right? It just, it sucks you in. But I think it's been powerful to have some accountability with Melissa. Like if one of us notices the other one's been on their phone a lot, we'll be like, Hey, are you creating or consuming? And I hate it when Melissa does it to me because <laughs> I don't want to get called out. I do what she often accuses me of. I do the huffy breath when she, but it's, it's just such this reminder that are we creating more than we're consuming? And again, for me, when I find myself consuming a lot, there's always associated with it feelings of inadequacy, fear, uncertainty, remorse, comparison. Mm-hmm. And then when I get in the act of creation, I have a feeling of momentum and energy and optimism and like possibility. Yeah. Even if it's a small thing, like, like I mentioned earlier, planting flowers in the front yard, yeah, picking up, like doing yard work, yes. like to me that, that we're creating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just this reminder of like in our, how we spend our time, are we creating more than we're consuming? Are our children creating more than they're consuming? Because again, like that carries with it this momentum and this energy. And I think it's so powerful. I think one of the loneliest feelings and one of the hardest feelings for me, and I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, is when you feel like you're out of momentum. Like when you feel like you're kind of like pushing everything uphill and everything's like weighing on you, that's just a really tough, like you're just kind of grinding and trudging, you know, through the mud. But when you have this a little bit, even if it's just a little, like a little bit of feeling of like wind at your back and maybe things are rolling downhill, like you have some momentum, that momentum is contagious. Like it spreads into every area of your life. And so to me, creation gets, gets you in momentum and consuming gets you in like really feeling stuck. Yeah. So more creation. Number two. And then number three is just like pretty practical preparation. Which I don't think we've ever talked on an episode about such practical things before. So this is kind of different, but I think it's necessary. Yeah. And for us, it really does contribute to, again, that's this uh, overall energy and environment of, of faith and optimism. The hope is just some practical preparation. Like first one, starting with just like food and water. Yeah. We had, when we had been here in Hawaii about a week and we met someone at the, at the gym, it's just really small local gym. And he had said, Hey, just so you guys know, you know, if something ever happens on the island, you know, whether that's a natural disaster or, you know, coronavirus, something like that. He's like, there is, things become scarce very quickly. He's like, there's a run on the um, grocery stores. There's a run on like the Costco, the Sam's club. He's like, so you want to have food and stuff at your house. And so that just had us thinking like, oh, he's so right. And we've seen evidence of, of that just this year. Like I mentioned I mean, that's, it's great advice. And so I really appreciated him saying that. And so what we've been doing to repair the last month or so since we've been here is every time I've gone to Costco or Sam's, we're just getting a little bit of extra food. And that is giving me peace of mind because, you know, we do have seven people in our family and that's a lot of mouths to feed. And so I think it just gives me peace of mind knowing like, okay, I can provide for my family if something is going to happen. 
And just a little side note, if you're ever on the North Shore of Hawaii in Oahu, got to go work out at Daniel Bachman's Functional Fitness. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a barefoot gym. Yeah. Work out barefoot. It's the coolest gym. And so practical for us is, you know, we want to have two to three months of food on hand and two to three months of water on hand. Melissa did something really cool too uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic when, you know, the, the shutdown happened in March and there was a run on food is we created a one month, was it one or two months calendar, food calendar? It was a one week calendar. That, that can be replicated. Replicated for two months. many weeks you wanted, yeah. Yeah, because I think one of the things you don't want to be thinking about is when there are times of uncertainty, I think you want to remove as many variables as possible. And so Melissa just created this one week calendar of breakfast, lunch, dinner. And we'd make enough dinner to eat it the next day for lunch. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was really practical. And then we just bought enough food to replicate that for two months. But it was just this consistency. And the meals were spread apart enough that it didn't get like monotonous, right? But that was just like one little thing that was like, oh, that, that helped us feel a little more prepared around like a plan. Yeah. And I think the more you are prepared, the more you can look forward with faith. And create. And create. Yeah. So the food and the water, you know, something that we just love to do is we love having chickens. We love having a garden. And so, you know, we want to do that anyways, like on our creation list. And it doesn't hurt, you know, to contribute to like feeling maybe a little more self-reliant, a little more prepared. Totally. Second thing is financially, we are trying, we want to have some reserves on hand and ideally like a one to two months of financial reserves on hand. There's a really loud truck going up the road right now. <laughs> and there was a time in our marriage where the thought of having extra money at the end of the month was completely overwhelming and impossible. Um, so I want to speak to that just for a minute about what we did. And so I think the first thing we did is I got to the point where I was so tired of living where we didn't have any extra money. Um, so tired that I was, I was willing to like do anything to get us out of that position. And we have Chris as a mentor that I really love what he, he says. He talks about how people change for either one of two reasons and you say it better than me. So you say, what, what does he say? Yeah. Well, it's actually kind of surprising to me when he said this to me, cause he's a transformational coach who works with human beings around transformation. And he said, Chris, most people don't change. Sure. They might make little small changes, but like really, truly like life altering transformational changes. Most people don't because they're either one, not curious enough around growth and possibility and becoming more, or they're not enough pain. Like they just, they're just right in the middle. Yeah. Just completely comfortable. And that's where we had been for so long is I guess comfortable enough to not make a change or uncomfortable, but not like uncomfortable enough. Yeah, totally. But we got to a point where it was so uncomfortable that we were going to make a change like at all costs. And for the first thing, for the first time we were actually going to do it. So what that looked like was getting all of our spending, like all of our, all of our finance, writing it out and knowing exactly where our money was going every single month. Yeah. And the power of that is like, well, so I, when I was a financial advisor, this is something we would do with clients is we would put all of their assets on one single sheet of paper and we call it a net worth statement. And for many of these couples, it was the first time they'd seen their whole financial world down on a piece of paper. And that could be confronting because it's like, oh, 
geez, like, it can, but it, it, can, it can be frightening, but it's so empowering. It's like, cause now we can, now we know what we're working with. So when we took and wrote every single thing in our financial world, like every expense income, like, again, it was, it was confronting, but it was also really empowering because now we could actually do something about it. And this, we're going to have, some, we'll have to do a future episode, but you think let's just on. Yeah. This is a much bigger conversation <laughs> than just this little tidbit here, but. Cause I know it can be a really a source of contention and like just anxiousness. But for us, I think one of the things I would say that if you, if you just, if you want to do just kind of this basic, like at least get everything out on paper and see where you're at is that my biggest piece of advice would be that no judgment in it. No, like what well, you did, what, or like, why are you spending this? It's just like, just, it's just what is like, we're just going to confront this and get it out on paper. But then you can actually start saying like, well, what can we do about it from both a, an elimination standpoint, but also like a creation, like how do we create more and how do we be more responsible for like what we do have. And the biggest caution I want to give here that I think it's one of the biggest lies that holds us back that held me back for a long time is, Oh, I should have done this a long time ago. So there's no point in doing it now. It's like, no, it's like, you know, the, the Chinese proverb, like the, sec- the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Yeah, sure. The best time to be intentional about your money was a long time ago. The second best time is now. But I really, for me, that held me up. It's like I was had so much regret and guilt around how I should have done it so much sooner that I just wouldn't confront it at all. Yeah. And I think that's when, you know, once you do get it out on paper, I think that's when you can finally start living in maybe it's denial, maybe it's just ignorance, whatever it is. And you know, you can actually start doing something with the information and doing something different. And I don't want it to be overwhelming or confronting or cause it, it can feel like, Oh my gosh, we're never going to get there. Like we're never going to get ahead. But it like the first place that I think we have to start with anything in our lives is confronting it. Like my health, like if I want to improve my health, I have to confront like, get all get out on paper if you will like what do i eat in a day and like how much do i move like it's just that confronting process but the confronting process to me on the other side of it is like really empowering because it's like okay now we can put a plan in place and now we can actually start to move towards it yeah and i think you know just to reiterate it with this piece about the finances that we're talking about is just having a little bit of extra so it's not it's not a worry of making it through like the next week or the next paycheck. It's like, we have a little bit of breathing room, no matter what happens. I, and I also feel that it created space for us to be more about creation and dreaming when we were willing to be like good stewards of what we already had. But as long as we were still irresponsible stewards of like what we already had, it was really hard to have the space and the capacity to actually think about what could be more. Yeah. And I think, that it started for us getting it out on paper. And then the second thing was getting out of debt so that we didn't owe anyone any money. Cause that too weighs on you. Like whether you feel it every day or not, it's an extra burden that you're, that you're carrying around. that's not allowing you to create what you want to. And I can tell you that I loved our monthly finance budget meetings when Melissa first implemented <laughs> them. We haven't been as good lately, but for a while, a long while there, I was like, we are going to make a shift here. Yeah. I went and kicking and screaming to those about as badly as I did to the marriage counseling appointments at, at the beginning. 
And for me, it was so daunting. It was like, we will never get out of debt. Not only will we never get out of all debt, we'll just never get out of like even one piece of like, like a car or a credit card. Student loan. Yeah, anything. But again, that's where you have to be like, you can't be consumed by that and be like, okay, I should have started much sooner. It's just so heavy that I'm just not going to do anything. Because like you really can start to chip away and like see light at the end of the tunnel. But I, I just want to issue this caution. The biggest complaint that drives me crazy about budgeting talks and money is that I feel like 99% of it is focused on the energy of reducing and cutting out and scrimping and saving, which is so useful and it's really served us. But I wish there was actually equal, if not more energy also dedicated to like what you're going to do to also create more income and what you're going to do to create more possibilities, kind of going back up to number two, like creation, right? So I think if it's this combination of like, let's be really responsible, cut out what we don't need and just be really honest with ourselves and also be really focused on what we're going to create, the combination of those two things, you really can start to feel more prepared. Yeah. And I think another way of saying it is instead of turning it, turning into this conversation about scarcity and how there's not enough and I don't know, just that energy of scarcity, it's having an energy around it of abundance and how we want to create more and how there's, yeah, I think it's just another language conversation about how, you know, we want, we want more. And these are some of the ways we are going to achieve more and it's not all scarcity. And, and, and tying that in this idea of being prepared and, just a practical application of being prepared with language. You know, Melissa and I used to have some really like not powerful money stories and we would use language all the time of, Oh yeah, we can't afford that. Oh yeah. We don't have enough money for that. Oh yeah. We'll never get out of debt. Oh yeah. We would never be able to, well, it's like, yeah, you use that language long enough. You start to believe it. And I know it's really easy to have a money story. And so everyone has a money story. First of all. Yeah. We all have money stories. (laughs) Whatever it is. Right. Yeah. We all have a story about money that, serves us or it doesn't serve us. And one of the shifts um, that Brad Martineau, a really good friend of mine, helped me make, and I'll tell the story of a laptop sometime, is he helped me start to see, instead of seeing money as something that I'll never have enough of, and it's hard to come by, and it's just overwhelming and confusing, he helped me start to see that money is just a creation. And we really started making an intention of never saying things like, oh, we can't afford that, or we don't have enough money for that. Oh, I wish we could do that, you know, but we can't, or we'll never get out of debt. And we started looking money as money is more of a creation. And we started asking ourselves two questions and we still do to this day. If there's something that we want to go create as a family or something we want to buy or an experience we want to invest in, the, the first question we ask ourselves is, would this make a difference for our family? And secondly, like, do we want to do this? And if it's yes to both of those, then we say yes. And it goes on the creation list and we might not have any clue how we're going to do it. Like it might be like really kind of like far-fetched, which some of the things have been, but oftentimes we don't even give ourselves the chance to even make it happen because we say no before it ever can even become possible by, but by, you know, so again, it'd be so easy to do budgeting and finance and I'm probably preaching the choir. Like you've probably experienced this, but it's easy to have money conversations that yeah, it's all around scarcity and guilt and shame. But if you can remind yourself, no, the reason we're doing this is because we're going to create more for ourselves and our families. I love that. Unless. And I think too, that it is really important to not place, you kind of alluded to this earlier, not place blame any one direction, but I think anyone coming to the conversation is taking a hundred percent responsibility for 
where the finances are at that moment. And then also takes 100% responsibility for what's going to happen in the future. And I just think that makes it, from our experience, it's like we're something that we're doing together and everyone, yeah, I think if everyone's taking full responsibility and there's no room for blame or pointing fingers in the conversation. So to recap, how to have, you know, spirit and energy of like faith and hope and possibility and resiliency in your home. One is having a common shared language that you use that reminds you of who you are and how you show up in times of uncertainty. Two is remembering that you're a creator. Like you can create possibility for yourself and your family and having a creation list. And then three is just practical, like preparation, having, you know, some extra food and water on hand, you know, having your finances at a place where you have a little bit of extra or you're starting to, to start that process. Cause even that can feel empowering. Totally. So, you know, I just know that so much is possible for us, even at, even at this times of uncertainty. And before we started recording, Chris, you had shared a quote that, that I really loved that I think fits really, really well right here. Yeah. It's been one of my favorite quotes recently. It's by Margaret Drabble. And she says, when nothing is sure, everything is possible. And I actually love that because the exact opposite can be true. If you choose to look at that too, right? Mm-hmm. When nothing is sure, nothing's possible. But when you really think about it, it's like, yeah, nothing's sure. So like, let's reinvent everything. Like there's never been a better, not, not only has there been a more important time, I also believe there's never been a better time to completely reinvent if you want as a family and really decide like what you want and what's possible. Yeah. So I guess we'll leave it at that. Everything is possible and we'll see you next week. Hey there, thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.